to our text, the book of Luke, chapter 22. I'm going to read verses 31 through 34. It says, And the Lord said to Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you deny three times that you know me. Amen. Let's pray, church. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your faithfulness, God. Lord, we thank you for the testimony that we heard this morning, God. We're believing you, God, for right of way, God. You move, God, upon each and every need that is represented before your throne right now, God, in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. So let's talk about difficult times. I don't know what it is. It must be a Texas thing. When things don't work out for them, they don't go to church. Mama didn't raise no dummy unless it was my three younger brothers. Most of your benefits come from being committed to the house of God. So let's take a look, first of all, at hard times. The word tribulation means the challenges that someone is forced to endure to test their strength and fortitude. The word fortitude means the strength of mind that enables a person to encounter danger or bear the pain or adversity with courage. That means when you and I go through difficult times, we never got an email, we never got a text message, hey, by the way, Richard, on this day, at this time, this is what's going to happen in your life. We don't get those memos. It just happens. And depending on your relationship with God and other places around the world as well, when things don't go their way, they get mad at God and stop coming to church. My way of thinking is, God, you're allowing me to go through this to prepare me for what I'm going to do in the future. I didn't see it at the time. It takes a while after. Wait a minute, God. So you knew way back then. You already knew that I was going to be here at this moment right now. He goes, I did. Why didn't you tell me then? Probably would have ran away. <laughs> Amen. We can all talk about Job's life. If anybody could complain, it would be Job. You know, so here he is. And it's interesting how God is the one that initiated the conversation with the devil himself. You know, and so here's the devil. The devil's like the prosecutor when you go to court. For those of us that have been on the wrong side of the, of the law, we know what that's like. They're looking for all the dirt on you. And so here's God bragging about Job. He says, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him, an upright man and one that fears God and things of that nature. And then, of course, the prosecutor, the devil himself says, well, of course he worships you. All you do is bless him all the time. You don't let anything happen to him. You don't allow him to go through difficult times. And what does God say? Do whatever you want to him. Just don't kill him. You think we're going to run away from that? We're going to get away? No. We have to experience that as well. And we know how he gets sick. And then, pobrecito, you know, he has his wife. A wife is supposed to be an encouragement. It's all right, babe. We're going to make it. Like, what was that movie, Courageous? It's okay, babe. We can get another job. <laughs> That's what the wife should have done. It's going to be okay. We serve God. But what does she say? Why don't you just curse God and die? That would have been a good place for Job to say, you speak like a foolish woman. Yeah. 
Then, of course, we know that God allowed him to get all the boils and do, you know, all these different things. And so even his three closest friends are thinking he must have some hidden sin because he's going through all these difficult times. And then what impressed me the most was that when his friends begin to get sick and God begins to talk to them, says, listen, go to your friend Job and allow him to pray for you for healing. That is the God that we serve. From time to time, the devil wants to see what you and I are made of. Anybody, there's mega churches around the world right now. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. What did he preach on? I don't know. I never go to church. Pastor, I don't know why I'm not growing. I know it doesn't happen here, Pastor. It doesn't happen here, right? But back in Texas, it's like 12 hours on TikTok and like three minutes on the verse of the day. Pastor, I don't know why I'm not growing in God. But you know everything on TikTok? The devil wants to see, do we have the goods? And God help you if God puts a calling upon your life. Because listen, you're going to be tested. My kids, you know, yeah, I'll talk about that in, here in a bit, maybe during the week. Amen. Paul and John the Baptist were both put in prison for being Christians. Could you believe that I had to go to court for street preaching? <laughs> like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's what happens in smaller towns. The cops think they're the hierarchy and all that. And I had to remind them, listen, we pastored a church in Aransas Pass for about eight or nine years. We pioneered it, you know, left the good work there, things of that nature. Uh, but the police officers, they didn't get the memo. So listen, Aransas Pass is a city in the state of Texas, and Texas is part of the United States of America. We have the freedom of speech, freedom of religion, right? So I don't spend too much time with the police officers like that. What I started quoting was, God, you keep good books. That's my quote. So what happened? You know, he's trying to hustle us, and then he, he was corrupt from the beginning. You know, it, it, everything got exposed. And so I had a couple, uh, it was a father and a, a, a daughter. They owned the air conditioning uh, where they sell parts for HVAC and all that. And so the grandson's visiting, and so the police officer, this corrupt cop, Leo Martinez, he goes in there, and he's roughing up this guy. He had no ideas that they had cameras everywhere. And so he got popped by planting drugs on, this, on the grandson. God keeps good books. Come on, somebody. And so here's Paul and John the Baptist, both of them, you know, put in prison for doing the will of God. Can you imagine John the Baptist? That's different because now you're related by blood. That's your, that's your cousin. That's your cousin, man. And hey, you know, go ask my cousin, you know, is he the one or do we look for someone else? And so there goes the two disciples. They go, hey, so listen, Cousin John over here, he wants to know, are you the one or do we look for someone else? And he says, you go tell him that blind eyes are still being opened and deaf ears are being opened. So then they run back. Hey, John, yeah, what did my cousin say? He didn't say much. What did he say? He said, blind eyes are open, deaf ears are open. So that means that we have to make a choice. Even though he's incarcerated, miracles are still happening. So secondly, let's take a look at hard times. When you've been on the other side of the law, 
And you, you, you go to their finest uh, state colleges or universities. You know, you get your three squares a day and all that. Uh, and you have to learn very quickly. Listen, uh, there's a term called sooner or later you're going to have to lace them up. Right? And listen, if you lace them up, even if you get beat up, you still get respected. But if you don't lace them up, oh, God help you. It's going to be hard for you. They're going to take everything away from you. It's okay to get beat up. At least you'll be respected somehow. <laughs> oh, yes, glory. So let's talk about going through hard times. August 20th, 2022, we left early in the morning, about 640 in the morning. We started driving all the way to Houston for our grandson's birthday party. We're there. We're having a good time at the party. So now it's time to come back. This is Saturday. It's about 1040, 1045 at night. I'm about to back in the car into the garage, and there's water in my garage. There shouldn't be water in the garage. And so we back up. I open the garage door. There's the washer room right there and in the kitchen, and it's just like, there's water. There's water everywhere inside my house. Now, no, 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 God, no, 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 God, hey, not today, not today. I got to leave early tomorrow. No, God, not today. <laughs> and I hear the water coming you know, up from upstairs, and so I'm running up the stairs, and, uh, and so the toilet uh, upstairs, uh, so you have the toilet tank, you, you know, you're, the, I'll be the front of the toilet, so you have the tank in the back. Behind the tank, from the top to the bottom, it had a hairline fracture all the way down like that. And then one of the questions they were asked for the insurance purposes is like, well, when did it start leaking? <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't home. <laughs> I could tell you it had been leaking about all day because that house was flooded. And I was like, oh, man, here we go. And then so uh, my, my son was able to call somebody that he knows that they, they do that kind of work. They come and start picking up the water and all that. And so for the next three to almost four months, we're going from one Airbnb to another Airbnb and not on vacation. We're still going to church. I'm still preaching revivals. I just don't know where half of my clothes is. They did all the packing, so you had to make it work. If the tie don't match, it's okay. Don't judge me. I ought to be glad I'm in church. <laughs> and so we went through that. And it was like, oh, my goodness, God, you need to help us. And so that happened at Saturday night, Sunday morning at about maybe about 6 o'clock, 545. I'm on my way to uh, Del Rio. I'm, I'm preaching a revival there in Del Rio. And so I told the pastor what had happened. And he goes, well, if you have to go home, just go back home. I said, no, no, no. Uh, we have the people there. They're going to take care of all that. And so I'll, I'll just finish it here. And then I'll just go back home uh, afterwards once we're done with the revival. And so as you're getting used to going from one Airbnb, we got to pack everything. We're confusing the dogs, you know, because sometimes they think the door is over here and it's not. That was funny to watch, though. But now that we're getting situated on the Airbnb to Airbnb, our bank account got hacked. No. Yes, it happened. And so they, they, they hit my account up, my, my account. I think it was for like a dollar something. And then once that went through, there were 219 transactions after that, somewhere in Florida. The worst part was my son has his savings account connected to ours, like in case of emergency. He had about 10000 something in there. So they, they moved it from there to our main account, and they took it out. 
So now you got to get a police report. You got to go through all the paperwork and all that. And I didn't get a memo of when it was going to happen. <laughs> and while preaching there in Suidad Victoria, I already know my mother had been sick for a very long time. You know, she had back, back in her day, you know, she would drink a lot, things of that nature. She was already bad in health, uh, had been in a nursing home, had went and, and seen her there at, at the hospital in the ICU unit and prayed with her, things of that nature. And I thought for sure I'd be able to talk to her one more time once I get back uh, from, from Mexico. And, and uh, I'm on the elevator coming down. I'm about to get in the car with the pastor there. And then um, I get a call. My phone rings, and it's one of the people from, from the, the, the nursing home. And they're telling me, hey, we're just calling to tell you that, yeah, she, she, she passed away. This was been at, what, 4.51 p.m., April 16, 2023. The only encouragement I had was I was able to pray with her. I said, listen, and tell God to show you around when you get there. It gets better. As soon as I returned back from, from there, um, they're, they're at home. And because of conferences that happened all over our fellowship, I had four cancellations on revivals. Four. I said, you got to be kidding me. Four. And so what happens is you have longstanding pastors in their church that are now going to go be missionaries. So they're, they're going to go be missionaries. The new pastors are coming in. And depending on the finances of the church, you know, we're going to be able to do it. No, we're going to have to reschedule things of that nature. And so, okay, it is what it is. And so my wife didn't, you know, she's not all freaking out or anything like that. Because what's my quote? God keeps good books. He keeps good books. One man said, when life gives you lemons, you learn to make lemonade. Pastor Rito Rodela, he pastors a church there in Harlingen, Texas. Because of his excessive drinking back in his partying years, years ago. Here's a man that every, he goes three days a week for dialysis. For life. Three times a week. For dialysis. We weren't thinking about that back in those days, huh? What are you talking about? Well, at least clean it off. It does catch up to us. <laughs> and you know what? In the middle of all that, he's not mad at God. There's no way I could be mad at God. I, I, I made bad decisions. Me and my friends who were drinking and doing all these other drugs and things of that nature. And yet he's still pastoring his church. Many people will get out of ministry or stop coming to church because of this. They're going through difficult times. I have a friend there in Chicopee, Massachusetts. His name is George. And he's a very interesting person. In the sense that when he was born, he was able to see. He could see. And over a period of time, he was an electrician. He would do some plumbing. Uh, he's a phenomenal drummer and things of that nature. But over a period of time, he became blind. He became blind. So the first time I met him, um, I'm talking to some people from the church there in Chicopee. And then the wife, the wife is walking him. And then she's telling him, okay, one step. And so basically, she's helping him up to the platform. And then she, the drums are already set up for him. 
And so she helps him get into the, you know, the little seat where he has to sit down to play the drums. And then once it's time for song service, you can't tell he's blind by the way he plays the drums and he keeps up. I was like, my goodness. And so I had asked him previously, you know, you know, once we got to know each other, and I said, did you ever get mad at God? And he goes, yes, Richard, I did a lot when, when the accident first happened. And so, you know, so it, it don't matter. So he, he was born, was able to see, but became blind. And his brother-in-law was born blind over time. And it's just very interesting that here he is. Here's George. He's been through all of this. And I can honestly say he's living a life better than you and I put together. Makes all these connections with friends. He was telling me one time, I, I need to get the videos, what I need to do. So he has a friend that owns a, a big uh, car dealership. And so they have him in a red sports car with the top down. And my man George is driving the car. That can be scary. <laughs> That's why I need to get the video. I need to get the video. And so the owner, the, the, the guy that owns the car lot, he knows he's blind. But he doesn't know he's hard of hearing. <laughs> and you can hear the wife. The wife's recording the video, right? She's doing the video, right? And you can hear the owner. The owner's in the passenger side. And George, the one that can't see, he's, you know, gas pedal and the brake and all that. And you can hear him say, uh, the owner, right? He's on the passenger. A little bit to the right. I guess he didn't hear because he don't know he's hard of hearing. So he's a little bit to the right. And they're about to miss that turn in the car lot. <laughs> that owner said, a lot to the right. <laughs> what, what, what? Ooh, man. Can you imagine that? Oh, my goodness. And then he goes on a cruise later, right? Not all after another, but him and the wife, they go on a cruise. He connects with somebody there on the cruise ship there. And, you know, that guy likes this guy, likes George. You know, he's a good guy, things of that nature. So the guy that he was talking to, he knows the captain of those big cruise ship boats there. And so guess who's sitting behind that big old steering wheel on those cruise liners? Mr. George. <laughs> I said, man, George, you got to be kidding me, man. I'm starting to get jealous, man. And then he told me one time, yeah, the, the Grand Canyon is beautiful, Richard. You ought to go see it sometime. I said, how do you know? He goes, Richard, he said. <laughs> I said, how do you know? He goes, Richard, don't forget, I used to see before, right? I, I was able to see before, right? He goes, but my wife is very good at explaining things to me, things of that nature. And so in the midst of all that, he keeps his heart right with God. Mm, mm, mm. And he still does electrical work. He was working at his house. Electri I mean, he, he's done it before when he could see, so he knows what's what. So the wife will put the tools right where they need to be so he can work there in the electrical there at his house. And you know me, I have to ask the million-dollar question. How do you know which one's the hot wire? Oh, yeah, that's the hot one. That's the hot wire right there. In the midst of all that he's been through, he has a joyful heart. 
The smallest things happen to you and I, and we get bitter at God. Not realizing that may, just maybe, just maybe, he's preparing us for something down the road. Down the road. I've learned a lot since I knew everything, church. <laughs> Kevin Foley quoted me on that at conference. He said, yeah, Brother Valerio came and preached for us here at McMinnville. And uh, he said, I've learned a lot since I knew everything. <laughs> <laughs> and I have. You know, the difference between a scab and a scar is this. A scab will never heal because we keep picking at it. I'm talking about people who refuse to forgive people. For example, reliving the past. However, if we stop picking at it, the scar is now a reminder of healing. Algebra, I didn't understand. Why do we have to use letters? Why can't we just use numbers? But to preach in China, South America, Central America, you know, different cultures and things of that nature and all kinds of sickness. And when I get to the million-dollar question, is there anyone you need to forgive? That's when the, manifestation, the manifestations will start. Pastor, you don't know what he did to me. You don't know. Pastor, you don't know. Hey. When it happened to me the first time, I talked to myself. I said, Richard, you're going to have to explain this before you start getting into this arena here. Say, listen, when we forgive people that have hurt us, we're not saying that what happened was right. What we're saying is, God, we're leaving them in your hands. Yeah, because that, that almost scared me out of my shoes. <laughs> I said, Lord, if she starts throwing hands, I'm going to start throwing kicks too. <laughs> Self-defense. <laughs> Ooh, man. My mother-in-law. Oh, I love my mother-in-law, man. But she's still getting those long shots in her knees. Big old needle like that for arthritis. And a number of years ago, I had that talk with her. I said, mother-in-law, listen, I pray for people all around the world. And when they choose, when they choose to forgive, they get healed. Oh, but Richard, you don't know what he did to me. It's amazing to me that people would rather walk off. I can't forgive them. Okay, well, then keep walking like that. I've seen people get healed just by that decision. I was there in Bolivia, there in South America, and then the pastor asked me, hey, can we go pray for Sister Elizabeth? She's been bedridden for a while. She hasn't been out of her bed in a long period of time. I said, yeah, let's go. She had the issue of blood. And so her daughter's there and things of that nature. And so I give her a few examples of people that they didn't want to forgive, right? And then so I asked her, I'm real close to her. She's laying on her bed. She says, is there anyone you want to forgive? And so by that time, the tears are already coming down. She says, mi esposo, my husband. Prayed with her. She forgave her husband. The next day, the early morning, uh, the pastor and I were already done with morning prayer. Uh, went to go have breakfast. As we're having breakfast, Elizabeth's daughter um, calls the pastor, says, Pastor, my mother got up this morning. And she's walking around, but like very slowly, but she got up. Can you imagine? Just by forgiving, 
I did like a Christmas sermon for a friend there in Austin, Texas. It's an all Spanish church. And uh, they had a lady there. I think she had like 14 cysts and one ovary and 20 something cysts and the other ovary. So I'll give those two examples. And then I'll, I'll, I tell them, listen, when we forgive, we're not saying that it's right. We're just leaving it in God's hands. I said, is there anyone you need to forgive? And so now the tears are coming. And then so it, it takes a lot of energy. And she says, my husband. My husband. And so I have to repeat the same thing. Listen, when you forgive, you're not saying that it's okay. We're making a choice to leave it in God's hands. And that's why some people would rather stay sick, and they're always sick, as opposed to, we don't worry about things like that. I don't. Let me give you Pastor Joe Campbell's example. I use this one a lot. If you've heard it, just act surprised if you hear it again. A man is at the, right, right there at the, uh, in front of the altar at the, pl at the platform, and Pastor Campbell, you know, he's telling him the story. You know, he was going to go into business with three business partners, and the three business partners, they burned him for the money. And so Pastor Campbell's getting, you know, brother, that's wrong. That's a violation and all these things. And you can almost feel the, the, the atmosphere in the church where they're going to start rolling up their sleeves and just tell us where these three brothers are at. We'll go take care of it right now, right? That's just my way of thinking, right? But then Pastor Campbell, with all of his wisdom, asked him the million-dollar question as he's looking at him, and he goes, how long ago did this happen? And then he looks at Pastor Campbell, and he says, 47 years ago. And you can just hear the oh, 47 years ago. It like took the, the air out of the room 47 years ago. Pastor Campbell says, brother, it's time to let it go. Most of these people have already died. The way he tells the story, you thought it happened like three days ago, man. Come on, guys, let's go. We're going to back up our brother, man. Don't laugh. We may have some people like that here. Maybe it was 28 years ago. I don't know. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's bring this to a close. Overcoming hard times. Listen to me carefully, church. Your words will determine your outcome. Our words that are coming out from our mouth is like a GPS for our life. Choose your words carefully. For those that say, I could never be a pastor. Uh-uh. Oh, I could never be a man or a woman of God. I could never do that. Okay, you're prophesying. Stay over there. That's not the God I serve. The God I serve says, through me, you can do anything. How can we rejoice in the middle of tribulations, knowing that it's an opportunity to get closer to God? Can we just be honest? Can we keep it 100? Some of us, if we're not going through anything, we don't talk to God. And some of us, we, we pray a lot. So I could be in morning prayer, right? And, and then sometimes if you could picture people trying to pray, and then there, there's different cries for prayer, right? Because sometimes they're going to be, God! And then God's up in heaven. You have the two angels right there, Michael. And, yeah, who's that? Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's brother so-and-so. The last time I spoke to him, it was like eight months ago when he needed some miracle back then. Let me go see what's up today. Welcome back. It's been a long eight months. Where you been? Uh-huh. Is that, is that right? You want me to do what? Is that right? But if I help you right now, are you going to be committed? 
Or are you going to go back out and do the same thing? You know what changed the way I prayed? Yeah, I, I, I don't recommend you do this. But So when we were pastoring the church, I normally would sit down right here next to my pulpit and I would pray. And so I was praying one morning. And it dawned on me that I'm praying about, you know, all these different things. God, you know, can you help me with this? God, can you do this for me? Things of that nature. And then it dawned on me. I said, you know what, God? It's always me always talking. I said, is there anything you want to tell me? And don't, don't, don't ask God unless you ain't ready. Make sure you're ready. <laughs> Make sure you're ready. Because I was sitting down right there. And I said, God, is there anything you want to tell me? He goes, yes, Richard. And I'm trying to be all holy, right? Your servant heareth thou. <laughs> oh, Lord. Talk about he knows everything. Richard. Yes, Lord. The way you've been treating your wife the last two days. Uh, I, I don't like that. It won't happen again, Lord, ever. It, it, it won't happen again. I, I repent right now. Ooh, and because I got my heart right right there in the spot, there was no grease spot right next to the pulpit. I dare you to ask God. God, is there anything you want to tell me? Mm -mm -mm. God, help us if the only way God can get us to talk to him and pray to him and worship him and praise him is for him to allow us to go through difficult times. And there, even then, there's still going to be people, I don't need God right now. I don't need God, God right now. I don't need God right now. You lost your kids. You lost your job. You're losing everything. And you're still saying you don't need God right now? Former Navy SEAL Commander Jacko Willink, as they're there, you know, I'm so thankful for our military. I've been privileged to, 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 to uh, yeah, I, I didn't qualify for a special operator, Navy SEAL stuff and all that, you know. But God knew my heart, so he put me in connection with some of those, right? Oh, yeah, come on, somebody. And so, the, you know, there's one there, and, you know, so begin to ask some questions, things of that nature. So, like, yeah, and they're, they're in our churches, too. If, yeah, they're in our churches, too. One of them was a song service leader. He's all, come on, church, we're going to worship God. Boom, 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 boom. And so I'm in the back wall there with the pastor there. I'm waiting for him to tell me, okay, we're going to go, we're going to go. And so while we're there back there, boom, 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 boom. And then I said, so what, what, what does a song service leader do? And song service leader, oh, brother, it's kind of hard to describe, but just, just, just make it simple, you know. So we're there, and he goes, well, it's like this. If anything's going to go on, the Pentagon's going to call him first. I'm like, what? <laughs> that? I said, so um, can you just ask him a question? I said, so what happens? He goes, well, once they bring the target, right, the, the, the bad guy, once they bring him in, who interrogates him? And so we're song service still in the back. He goes, yeah, yeah, he, he's the one that'll do the interrogating. I said, all right. And I said, hey, um, can I just ask him a question? He goes, what's the question? I said, like, when he's sitting in front of the bad guy, like, does he get the urge to just, like, stick him right there? And he says, no, Richie, no, Richie, this conversation never happened. <laughs> there was another one, there, another one in, in uh, Woodbridge, Virginia. 
Pastor Colonna had told me about him, and he goes, you'll know who he is because he's amputated from one knee down, and he's got his uh, German Shepherd service dog. And so he's there, and we're striking up a conversation. You know, he's sitting down. And I said, hey, so is it true, uh, you know, you were with Team 6? So that's like the elite, right? I said, he, he was with Team 6, and he goes, he goes, yeah, yeah, I can confirm that. He goes, but obviously I'm not in the front lines because of this. So my, my stuff is more on the computers and things of that nature. And he goes, I, I can't talk about it. I said, no, that's fine. He goes, however, I can confirm that there's 222 bad guys that are no longer with us. That's all he gave me. <laughs> I was like, wow. And still in church, Amen. And so here is Jacko Willink as they're engaged in combat. There's a reason why they have training and they have to, it has to be repetitive. So it could just be a natural reaction. And so they're being shot at, they're shooting at the enemy, things of that nature. And at one point, I can picture one of our military personnel saying, hey, we're being shot at. And Jacko Willink's response was, that's good. Why is it good? Because if you did not take shortcuts during your basic training and all your practices that you have to go over and over and over again, what you've been practicing is going to save you because you've been doing it repetitively over and over and over again. You can almost tell who reads their Bible and who doesn't. They're always going through the same struggles. They can't advance in the kingdom of God. They can't get better jobs. Let me ask some questions here. Do we pray? Reading the verse of the day is not prayer. Prayer is when you pour your heart out to God. Say, God, th these are my issues right here, God. Do you read your Bible? Like, read it, not just carry it. Can you still pray? when you're going through it. Secondly, does your pastor even know you're going through difficult times? Oh, I don't want my pastor to know we have problems. I'm going to tell you a secret. We already know you have problems. It's a funny thing. Ain't that right, pastor? We go to morning prayer. <laughs> we get a hold of God. We're in the prayer room, and sometimes God will just drop a little memo. Boom. This couple right here, boom, 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 boom. This is what's going on, boom, boom, boom. And souls. Every once in a while, God will do that. I know, but I can't initiate it. I have to wait for them to get tired of the reruns. The reruns. The reruns. And once they get tired of the reruns, Pastor, can we talk? Now they're open. Now I'm not running their lives. Oh, I don't want pastor to know we have issues. You think pastor became a pastor with not having any issues? I'm where I'm at today because of my pastor's rebukes. Seriously. And I, yeah, we've all made mistakes. We all learn. Amen. So a number of years ago, when we had come back from the field and we're in our home there in San Antonio, and our kids were still young, a lot younger then, living with us. Uh, we're having dinner, and, and so learn, learn, learn from my mistakes, right? I'm, that's the warning right there, amen. 
And so we're having dinner. I'm sitting across from my wife and then my, my son, my daughter, and my other daughter, they're, they're at the other end of the table there. I don't remember what we were arguing about. I don't remember that. All I know is that I was mad because my wife was beating me with her words. And then I tried to say And so, gentlemen, gentlemen, listen. This is what you do not do. Do not do this. In the middle of her, and me not be able to get a word in, in the middle of, I say, you're just like your mother. Write it down. Don't ever, ever go there. Don't ever, ever go there, gentlemen. And for that martial arts training, good Lord. I didn't know she could pick up that plate that fast. Woo, everyone was kung fu. And it's okay. We were in pastor's office. We were in pastor's office with the kids. We're there with the kids, all three of them, the son and the two daughters. And so pastor had to raise his voice at me. Richard, what were you thinking? <laughs> he actually got up from me. What were you thinking? And well, I'm on the other side of the desk. I said, Pastor, that's the problem. I wasn't thinking. <laughs> I said, Pastor, she's nothing like her mother. She loves God. You know, she takes care of the kids. Da, da, da. It's just, Pastor, she was beating me with her words. I didn't know what to say. <laughs> Ooh, thank you, Jesus. And yeah, so then we had closed the whole meeting right there <laughs> in prayer, right? In prayer. Right? So then the kids are going out the office first, you know, they're going out. Then my wife goes out, and then I'm about to go out. And he grabs me by the elbow and he pulls me back in the office. Hey, Pastor, what you gonna do? <laughs> Maybe he's got a two by four back there. Pastor, <laughs> what you gonna do? He just grabbed me by the elbow, pulled me back in. He goes, Listen, Richie, just go home and make it work. I'm going to be praying for you. I said, thank you, Pastor. And I say that because a lot of men, I don't know what it is about men. Look. What's the difference? Men are stubborn. I don't need help. Brother, you can barely walk. No, I, I got it. I got it as you're falling down. I got it. No, you don't got it, brother. Here, let me help you up. Come on. I think I can honestly say having pastored a church, Pastoring people can be difficult at times in the sense that somehow or another, you already know someone's going through something, but you have to wait for them to get tired of the reruns. That's the hard part. Because if we try to initiate it, why don't you just mind your own business? I'm grown. All right, well, if you've grown, then go pay a professional doctor to help you with this issue. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Sometimes our pastors don't even know you're going through something. Let me recommend you get a spiritual battle buddy. I learned this from a pastor there in Spring Lake, North Carolina. He said that when he was going through basic training and all these different trainings that they have to do, he was always looking at all the other guys. And what he was looking for is the guys that are taking shortcuts. Instead of going up and under and all these different things, they're taking shortcuts. He goes, okay, I, I got a mental note on this guy. Mental note on this guy. I say, why is that? If they're taking shortcuts right now when we're not under stress and combat, what are they going to do when we are in combat? 
they're going to take shortcuts. So you know what? It'd be a good idea. It'd be a good idea to have a spiritual battle buddy. Someone that you can confide in. Let them know what you're going through, right, to, to a, a certain degree. And at the same time, hold each other accountable. I have a good friend there in Uvalde, Texas. You know, that's where all that crazy stuff happened a number of years ago with, at the elementary school there with the shooting and all that. And when we were there in uh, the Prescott Conference, a lot of the people wanted to talk to him about that. He didn't want to talk about that. So him and I were talking about other things. And then so we're back in San Antonio. He's in Uvalde. Um, we're at Pastor Ruby's conference now there in San Antonio. And so as we're there, we're sitting down, we're talking. And so now he wants to talk about what happened. And a lot of it was personal because he knew everybody's parents in that school. He was a physical therapist. He knew the parents. He knew the grandparents. And so it was personal. We had a guy from the McAllen Church that uh, he owns his own funeral business and home and all that. And he came and uh, he was trying to help the, the people there to try to, to try to put, put these kids together, man. Some of them, he, he, couldn't, he couldn't put them back together because what had happened. And so, you know, we're talking about that and then we're about to leave from, we're about to leave from the conference already. And so we're shaking hands, and he pulls me towards him. And he says, Richie, listen, if you ever see me going off the trail, I give you permission to kick my rear end. And I said, okay. So we're about to let go, so I pull him towards me. And I said, listen, Doug. I said, if you ever see me going off the trail, I give you permission to kick my rear end. That's how we stay accountable. Have a, a spiritual battle buddy and a good relationship with your pastor. In the midst of everything, I'll give you one example and then we'll close. Especially for people that say they want to preach one day. You know, many times they say, oh, pastor, he's a bad guy, he's a bad guy. No, pastor's the one that's getting you ready. It's easy to think, oh, pastor has it out for me. Listen, when pastor announced me going full time as an evangelist, he put his 30 plus years of pastoral ministry on the line and said, you know, he's been in our church this many years, da 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 da. He pastored a church over here, da da da. And he, he'll do a good job for you as far as doing the revivals for you there in, in your church and things of He put his credibility on the line. And while we're in the church, it's, oh, pastor's mad at me. Pastor's, no, 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 no. Listen, you have to have open communication with your pastor. And for ladies, you have to have open communication with your pastor's wife. I know it's not practiced everywhere, but in most of our churches, whatever is discussed in the office stays in the office. You're not going to read about your situation online, social media or anything like that. It stays there. One time when I was there in the mother church in between revivals, uh, we had a, a, a father and his daughter. We, we had to go into the office. Uh, we discussed some things, right, things of that nature. And so we prayed. As soon as we're done, we're about to leave. We're about to get out the room. And so I looked at the dad and I looked at the daughter, just for the record. The minute I cross through this door, I'm going to forget what we talked about. So in other words, it's not, you're not going to hear about this. You're not going to read about this anywhere else. Just don't let it happen again. That's it. I'm going to give one miracle right now because of our sister. She encouraged me. I said, you know what? I'm going to give that one too. 
So I had mentioned that they had canceled four revivals. So I did a revival in Corpus Christi uh, in January of this year. So on July 6th, which was a Thursday, uh, I'm in my office at home. I'm working on a sermon, things of that nature, and he texted me. He asked, do you have Cash App? I said, I do. And he goes, okay, someone in our church just gave a love offering for the revival you did here in January. He goes, so I'm getting ready to send you that. And so he sent it to me. So I'm upstairs, right? And then it comes through. So I go downstairs. My wife's in the kitchen. Check this out, babe. <laughs> Ain't got good. That's why my wife doesn't freak out. She's not all stressed out. See, it, our, it was our last two years of pastoring the church. Those were our difficult years. But in the midst of the difficult two years, that's where we experienced many miracles. At the time, I was involved with the prison ministry, so I would go and minister there. Uh, and then what happened was there was a, a somebody's nephew that was incarcerated there. And so what happens is he writes to his uncle in Houston. And he said, hey, the Potter's House Church, you know, these guys come and they minister and it's helping me a lot and things of that nature. And so here's this uncle. He's never met me. He's never seen me. But yet he sent a $400 check to our church. Thank you for ministering to my nephew, you know, there where he's locked up, things of that nature. And I could go on and on with the miracles that God did financially. But it all starts with you and I being honest with God. Let's try to spend more time with God these next couple of services. And if you're able to, try to bring somebody with you. Amen. I'd like every head bowed, every eye closed.